Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Back to the Blockbuster. My name is Gaius Bowling, and we have another packed uh, episode for you this week, uh, which has kind of been the it case last stop, year. Gaius. It never I know does. It, it does not stop. It's so much fun, though, because like at first it was like, well, should we cover this much or should we split up episodes? But we've actually done a good job of like kind of fitting like all the like hot topic stuff that people want us to talk about with kind of like mm-hmm. these uh, specialized like focus episodes that we also want to uh, kind of give attention as well. Um, with this week, we do have some hot topics to talk about, but we're also doing this episode as a 10th anniversary episode for Cabin in the Woods because it turns 10 on April 13th uh, this week. And um, we didn't want to just talk about it with just us. Sometimes when there's a movie like this, we want to get other people on who are fans of it. So uh, thankfully, Twitter is a good place to go. And uh, we found someone oh, that well, I would say it usually is. Sometimes you can uh, dive into the deep depths of Twitter, but luckily we found uh, a good guest to be on. So, uh, Kevin, thanks for being here. Would love for you to kind of introduce yourself and let us know, let everyone who's listening know uh, a little bit more about what you do. Yeah, awesome. Uh, my name my name is Kevin the Critic. I have been writing film reviews since I was about ten years old, and in 2015, I decided to put them on a blog called kevinthecritic.com where you can find all of my work there and you can follow me on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. My Facebook and Instagram are, are kevinthecritic and my Twitter is at kevin underscore the critic and it, you know, in my most recent tweet is going to angle is going to anger some diehard Marvel fans, but and I'm I'm a diehard Marvel fan too, but I'm one of the ones that's like we can criticize it. It's okay. Well, if yeah, it was yeah. about Morbius, if you listen to our last episode, we uh, went in on it too. So, oh uh, well, no, I actually I dug Morbius okay. Like I didn't, think it was, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't think it was awful. Like like seventeen percent, but I was like, this is fun. I'm not going to remember this in like a week, but I didn't like. I had enough fun watching it. Like I don't, I like when I think of worst comic book movies, I'm like Superman four. Yeah, that's true. Or like Catwoman. Where so I'm like, I'm watching this like this is competent mostly. (laughs) I don't like. It's a movie from that perspective, I guess. One thing I I had fun watching. Like I had fun with it. I enjoyed it. I didn't love it. I was like, I don't think it's as bad as most people are saying it is. That's fair. That's fair. It was okay. If there was so a time right, since you were 15, I was going to ask, do you have um, maybe a top two of uh, reviews that you've kind of written recently, not recently, but over the last however many years? I mean, gosh, uh, you've probably written a thousand of them at this point. Um, I don't I don't know like what my favorite reviews would be. Um, I recently wrote... I recently wrote one for Turning Red. I read that, was fun. that Yeah, that, that was fun to write. Like, I went through... That was fun to write, kind of just navigating, like, here's what I liked and here's what I didn't, and yeah. stating it in a way that was like, this is what I mean. Exactly. And then, and then you know, just... I just enjoy writing most most of them. Like, even the negative reviews, I'm like, okay, at least I can... I can talk about what I didn't like about this or try and make it funny or something. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I, don't I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't take pride in like writing bad reviews. Like some people think yeah. it's fun to like why, to write a negative review. And like, I think a part of me thinks about like all the time that does go into making a movie, whether or not it turns out good or not. 
uh, is yeah. another another thing. Um, I, but I'm I do sure know that I do. But yeah, but I do know that some people do enjoy writing bad reviews. Like they love kind of like yeah, like throwing a film in the fire. They love to hate. Yes. Well, yeah, and with, with my thing is occasionally if a film is so bad for me on like a majority of levels, then I'll have fun with it. But um, most of the time these days, unless a film is like so bad, it's hilarious. I don't enjoy writing. I don't enjoy writing bad reviews as much. I'm like, I get people worked on this. Nobody wants to make a bad movie. And I don't hold it against the creators. I'm like, hey, look, you know, I'm not going to hate you guys personally because you made a movie that I didn't like. You tried your you tried your best. It didn't work for me. Maybe it works for somebody else. I'm just giving I, I'm just giving my opinion, and you know I've gone into you know conversations with people about certain movies where it's like I really really hated this for whatever reason. And they're like, oh, I enjoyed it for these reasons, and so I saw like what the other side saw. I'm like, okay, I I, I appreciate that you got these things out of it that I didn't. I love that perspective. Yeah, and that's a healthy film debate, actually, because yeah, it doesn't always go that way, especially on Twitter. Oh, it turns, no. into, a, it turns oh. into like a fight, as if we have personal stakes in the making of all these movies. Yeah, yeah, and again, that's why, like, when I like when I saw Morbius, and I was like, "Oh man, I'm actually enjoying this." Like, <laughs> You're like, ready. like, like, like I'm like I'm unironically enjoying Morbius, like. <laughs> Am I gonna get it? Am I gonna get like? <laughs> and nobody got on to me about it. It was like, oh, oh, good. You're like, thank God, because it could have gone, uh, it could have gone a completely different way with people. Be like, why did you like that? <laughs> uh, yeah, is, is Disney paying you? Yeah, is Disney. Yeah, exactly. you? It's, it's Sony paying you. Yeah, it's that. Yeah, it's that kind no. of thing. No, I no. Disney's not paying me, and there have been films of theirs that I have given more mixed reviews to. Where I was like, "Yeah, I didn't love this, guys. Sorry, sorry." <laughs> well, um, of course, like you know, uh, Kevin talked about all the platforms that he's on, but we will also link all of them uh, in the description for uh, this episode that you so you can find his blog and then find him on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all those fun places. So you can also follow uh, his stuff there as well. Um, so let's get into it. Um, I, I, I want to get it out of the way because we've been talking about Will Smith the last. Can this two be weeks. the last time, Dias, that we talk about Will Smith? I, guess, I think I think this is gonna. I think this is gonna be the last thing because that can happen at this point to him. Um, even though he resigned from uh, the academy, the academy made it clear that they were gonna still uh, pursue disciplinary measures against him, and we didn't know what they were until Friday. And Friday, they decided that he is banned from attending the Oscars and Academy events for the next decade. So, 10 years, he can't go. He can't go to any events. Um, I, you know, you know, speaking as someone that was, like, triggered by what he did when I first saw it and was kind of like, oh, he's, he's a piece of shit. And that was my initial, you know, feelings about it. When I heard about this punishment or their punishment or whatever, it felt a tad excessive to me to make it 10 years. I thought they were going to do like a year or maybe two. Um, and it seems like a lot of people are feeling that way. Or it might be a little bit mixed. Some people think that there are some people out there that still think you, they should take his Oscar away and that's not going to happen. Um, but like, yeah, I guess I would ask, uh, you know, I'll throw it to Kevin first because you're a guest. Like, do you think it was the right punishment or is it too excessive? Um, or I think- My, I think that, 
I think that a 10-year ban is a bit much. Like, I don't, like, I think that a, I, I would think, like, maybe, like, a one- to two-year ban would have been a little bit more apt, because it, it, it was, like, it was, like, eight seconds. Like, he just walked, and I, I saw the clip of it, and I, I saw the Australian clip of it where it was, like, uncensored, and so I saw what he actually said. Yeah, I'd say, like, probably a two-year ban would have been more, like, fitting for that, given that it was in front of everybody, and then he started, like, cussing it, and then he, like, cussed him out. Like, it's not something that I'm like, oh, ban him for a decade. Like, action definitely, need, I thought action definitely needed to be taken, because if it wasn't, that would have set up, that would have opened up Pandora's box of issues. But, you know, I think a 10-year ban at, I think a 10-year ban for what he did is a bit overzealous. Uh, you know, if you think that 10-year ban is excessive or not. Yeah, so I'll put it in the perspective of this. Uh, so when the Astros got caught cheating, in the World Series, they didn't take their ring away, so all of them got to continue to be World Series champions. Um, not really any of them got bans for um, cheating or anything like that. There was just a few fines and stuff like that. So that really doesn't set a precedent for what cheating should be in the MLB. So I think what the Oscars is trying to do with this is basically say this behavior is clearly unacceptable and just have a massive deterrent for any bad behavior on anything. And unfortunately, Will Smith is the example for that. It's like when you are at a job and you kind of have a fuck up, uh, someone's going to be put to example and get in trouble for it. And unfortunately, he's the only one who's kind of done something like this but they have to set a precedent where you can't do something like this. So I think that it really just puts anyone who's even considering doing something like this, not even at the Oscars, but to comedians, to any type of live show, um, assault in general. Uh, I think that it's just a very good way of saying this is completely unacceptable behavior for a Hollywood elite. It's completely unacceptable behavior for a person, especially in a very public space. I think he, I mean, 10 years, they probably were trying to figure out whether or not it was going to be five or 10. You're going to do a round number, set it and say, listen, this is it. Sorry, don't come. Not allowed. Can't do that kind of shit. And uh, we'll see you in 10 years. So I think that at the end of the day, it seems harsh, but what he did was unacceptable. So in my opinion, I think that it's uh, well-deserved and he's got a lot of work to do on himself. And uh, I can... And also with his relationship with Jada, I know Gaius. I've seen you post some stuff on Facebook, <laughs> oh, some stuff man. on Facebook where it's yeah. like, you know, it's uh, might be time to um, put that prenup into effect. You know, oh, you know, yeah. I. It's kind of like I, I do have to wonder, like, what the. I've I've often wondered about like what goes on in the Smith family because if you look at like because like if you if you look at like the history of like what they've done over the past ten years like they started out the 2010s trying to promote Jaden Smith up to be like the next big A lister with the Karate Kid and After Earth and that thing like After Earth out. was terrible. And then, oh no! Yeah, see, the thing I I I didn't see it because I saw articles saying that like it it lost box office stuff after like within three days, it went from the number one spot to the number three spot. Yeah. And I'm like, I've never seen word of mouth go by that fast, but yeah, like they tried to put Jaden as like the new big guy. And then that didn't pan out. And they tried to put Willow as like a music star with the whip my hair back and forth song. And that <laughs> just blew up in their face. And it's just like, I, I don't know. It, 
they're an interesting phenomenon as a Hollywood family to me of like, wow, we're, we're famous. We're trying to make sure every, like all our kids are famous too. And it's, I have to wonder if this is the result of some kind of boiling point that's may have been going on for a while of like, okay, maybe, maybe Jada Pinkett Smith is really, really sensitive about that, which I would understand. Like I would understand, but it's like, I don't know. It's just, it's an interesting, it's an interesting event in the Smith's family history. Yeah. I was, I was told, cause I, you know, I posted that picture. Uh, we're not friends on Facebook, Kevin, but I posted a picture no. of him and of Will Smith and Jada Pinkett. And I said like, yeah, now after the Academy band kind of came out, I was like, maybe it's time that you consider like divorcing your wife. Because like, she seems to be like a big part of the problem. Now there were a lot of people on that thread that supported it, but then someone said like, they didn't exactly like, demonizing her either and that we don't really know what goes on uh yeah in their home and i get and i get that but I, I keep going back to this is that they've made so many crucial parts of their lives very public and and there's shit that we wouldn't know about if she didn't have a show that like is the very essence of it is like let me tell you all of our secrets basically and like let's hash it out in a public forum so like that's why it's kind of hard for me to kind of like sympathize with her because I, I personally don't. I've, I've been hearing stories that that she, you know, she's supporting Will the best way she knows how, and she doesn't condone what he did. But if you watch like different angles from that night, she didn't try to stop him from running on stage. She laughed after uh, he slapped him in the face. There was no like, babe, why'd you do that or anything like. There was nothing that she did that stopped it. So that's why I guess I'm so yeah. like, yeah, she's not like she's not an instant little waif and all this. But I do, but I do understand. I do understand not wanting to demonize her because on the other end of that, I don't love cancel culture either, and I don't think that no, he should be canceled either. I mean, I I think what's happening to him professionally at the moment is what is expected, and it's going to be like that the rest of the year probably. He he'll have some stuff that's on pause, and then by the time we hit the end of twenty twenty two, early twenty twenty three, I think that he'll be fine again because there's going to be something else that'll take this place of like. Cool. Whatever the scandal is, there'll be a new one. Yeah, that takes us back. And like, and also like, I've seen like Netflix is like apparently like scuttling away from two projects they had with him. Yeah, and Sony as well with Bad Boys. And and I was like, oh, oh, Bad Boy. He got Bad Boys yanked too. Yeah, for now until they figured it. Until they figure out what's it. Well, and that I get why they're doing that. But I would have, I personally probably would have waited until like seeing like what's the verdict on this thing before like pulling out. Just because it, I don't know, it just seems like it seems like a little bit of an over of a slight overreaction on the studio's part to me to pull out in the midst of all this happening. It's like you don't even know what the what the punishment's going to be yet. So this this thing could blow over in like maybe three, six months when another Hollywood star screws up or says something or does something that gets even more attention than this and people forget about it. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, like he, you know, he has like that Apple movie that is supposed to come out by the end of the year. That could very well be an Oscar player. They probably like, the thing is a lot of people were confused. They were like, well, he can't be nominated anymore. Right. I'm like, no, he can still be nominated. He just couldn't go if he was nominated. Um, I don't. I don't think the members of the Academy, even if they felt he gave like one of the best performances of like the year, would nominate him this year. Um, but but he is still able to 
be nominated in the future if that was the case. You know, a lot of people are looking to what SAG is going to do because they said they're going to do something too. I don't know if they're, I don't know if they kind of think like what the Academy did, you know, that's enough and we'll kind of leave and be and like, that's fine. But their union also spoke out when it first happened that they wanted to wait and see what the Academy did before they did anything. And so far they haven't said anything. I kind of hope they don't add on to this at this point because I think at this point he knows he gets it. He's suffering the the way that he probably should suffer right now, which is like, you know, critically in the press, in his pocketbook. It's going to affect how he, his persona for like the foreseeable future. And then he'll come out at the end of it eventually. But, you know, he has to kind of take his lumps like everyone else that has gone through yeah, this kind of stuff. Before. Yeah. And, and, and ironically, like um, my sister got me his, his autobiography for Christmas. And so I'm interested to start. I'm I'm interested to start reading that and see if, if in the wake of all this. <laughs> well, no, that's the thing. Like, I want to read about like okay. So now that we've seen the facade break, it's like all right, I want to see like all right, what is what's in this book where it's, he's going to reveal things about himself that we might not know. Like all right, will it give a better picture of who he really is beyond the you know the the, the image the Fresh Prince. Out? Yeah, beyond yeah. like the fre- like the Fresh Prince, beyond you know Agent J, it's like that was his persona for years and years and years and years and years, and now people know that, and it's like yeah. they have to reckon like he's a human being, you guys. Like human beings are flawed; they do stuff, they they do things they shouldn't. Yeah, do. but he his his fuck up was so public and so. I mean, yeah. just in front of millions of people to another famous person in the yeah. on the biggest stage possible. So I, I think his his punishment oh, yeah. is is maybe a little harsh, but I think it's well deserved to keep anyone from even trying something like that again. So I think that like this yeah. this whole um, Will Smith stuff is uh, it obviously keeps progressing each week. Like Gaius, we've talked about it now this three weeks in a row, and hopefully we don't hear anything more that's kind of like all right maybe he's gotten into more trouble or anything. I just hope that from here, it seems like he's hit. Obviously it's not rock bottom, but it's pretty close to, it's probably the furthest he's ever been to rock bottom. And so um, hopefully the only thing is uh, on the way up. Yeah. Whatever's left, it will be a comeback hopefully. And you know, he can take some time to chill and reflect and come back better than ever. And uh, you know, and like, I also, I dig a redemption story. So if he can come back from it and learn something from it and, become a bigger person from it, then I'm all for that too. Um, so I, I, I would, I would love a positive into this. Um, but I think, I think this will be the last time we're talking about it. Cause I don't know if there's going to be anything else that'll happen at this point. I mean, unless we find out what happens with his movie emancipation with Apple, like, um, but yeah, it's will be a, to be continued and hopefully it won't continue anytime soon. We can like put it to bed for a little bit before something else happens. But um, speaking of other celebrities who are, are kind of in trouble, who could have taken his place. Uh, so when this story broke, I thought it was just a, a generic story about like an actor that got too drunk and he got arrested and then that was it. Um, but Ezra Miller, who plays a flash uh, in the DCEU, he was arrested in Hawaii. Um, he was at a karaoke bar and apparently he got like, so angry at the people that were doing karaoke. He like snatched like the microphone from one of the girls or cursing at them. It made like a big scene at this karaoke bar. He was arrested and then released on like $500 bond. Right. So I thought that was it. I was like, all right, well, I don't know what he had a drunken night. They were singing. 
Yeah, what were they like, was it just were they singing tequila or something like something that's so bad or like what sparked you know, this? I would love aggression? it. Like what is it like? What, like I would love it when they sing like funky cold Medina, and he was yeah. like, oh, no. no. <laughs> yeah, that, that was the funny part of the story to me at first when I was like, wait, he was just yeah. so triggered by their karaoke that he just like <laughs> you guys suck. stormed the stage. You got it's like it's like it's like in School of Rock, you know, like we see the guy texting his buddy, these guys suck. He didn't go onto the stage. Yeah, yeah. Like, Stop. It was one of those yeah. like the yeah. group there's a group of friends, there's like ten of them and they all pick the same song in a row or something. I mean that would piss me off. Maybe yeah. that's what it was. Well yeah. Yeah, it would. But 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 anyway. Um. So like from so from what this story goes on, I thought, okay, that's it. Whatever. He got drunk. It happens. But then then I find out last week that Warner Brothers reportedly is having these emergency meetings about what to do about him because he is their Flash right now. The movie's not coming out until next year. Now that they delayed it, yeah. um, well, yes, actually, but, after after he got arrested, he was arrested again because after he got yeah. on bail, he broke into the hotel of this girl and her husband and basically called her a fucking slut and like like assaulted them basically, and then was arrested again. Yeah, his yeah his exact words were, "I will bury you and your slut wife." According to a temporary restraining order request obtained by page six, like he got uh, added back and he, went uh, back to harass him again. Like, yeah, I don't under, it's I don't understand this guy because it like every few years I feel like I read something like this is the second time something like this has happened. Like a couple of years ago, I remember it was like a it was a big story that he was he he apparently choked out a fan. That was last year in Ice in Iceland. And that kind of flew okay. under the radar. That flew under the radar too. Like, I mean, I saw it, and like I know yeah, on our I site, they wouldn't let us post about it on our site because a lot of major publications didn't pick it up because they couldn't tell if it was serious or if it was a joke. And I, if you watch the video, I guess you can. It can go both ways, where it's like, okay, this might be serious, or it could be just a we- a weird, stupid. I don't know, a weird, stupid video that he just put out. But in the wake of all this, I think everyone knows that it was serious, and apparently, and then I. And, yeah, and they also said after uh, that he was also the sh- the subject of ten police calls in less than a month, uh, and he also, uh, by the way, I should call. It, uh, yeah, he also allegedly stole a passport and wallet. Okay, stealing a passport is a security guard felony, isn't it? Like, <laughs> like I think I don't know. Yeah, and um, so the big the big thing now is now all these reports are coming out that while. Ezra Miller was filming The Flash, that he had moments on set where he lost it. And they said that he never got violent, but he had moments where clearly something was up, which is why they're having these emergency meetings now. Now, the thing is, like, there's nothing they can do about the movie. It's already sh- it's already shot, and it's already done. He It's coming out next year, no matter what. It's just a matter of what do they do with Miller after this? Like is this something where they're like, okay, let's get, uh, let's get this guy the, the help that he needs, and like see what we can do, or do they cut their losses and recast after this movie comes out? Well, and the other thing, and the other thing is they're in bed twice with him because oh, yeah. not only is he their Flash, but he's like he's a major character in their Fantastic Beast franchise right now, and the third one of that comes out, I believe, next week on the fifteenth, or th- this week, this week, 15th. yeah. And, you know, that's supposed to be a five-film series. Now, I don't know if they're going to make it to five films. We'll have to see how this one performs and all that. But, yeah, he's in two of their biggest franchises right now. 
And so if they want to distance themselves from him, which un- which is understandable, then they're going to have to recast on two major franchises, which were Fantastic Beasts, also happened with the Johnny Depp situation. Yeah, they already, they've already they, gone If that. they recast him again, yeah. I mean, that whole franchise is just up because it just seems, I mean, there's that's too many recastings. I mean, like, well, like you, you really yeah. just can't kind of come back from that. I mean, people will be confused and like... It it just or, or you just basically kill him off and say hey in the beginning of the next one just be like hey so this character doesn't exist anymore by the way well and ironically they did that exact thing in the the crimes of Grindelwald where in the first Fantastic Beast movie because I watched the first one the night before the second one came out just to catch myself up and I was like oh Ezra Miller's character is like dead dead and in the <laughs> beginning of the second movie they're like he survived and I was like okay but, wow. <laughs> <laughs> how he he was like dead we, i saw him die what do you mean he's just back now so this franchise can kill off whoever they want however they want they've proven it and it, it must be interesting for wonder brothers because ezra miller like he's attached to two big franchises that they uh are a part of and i and i i assume the emergency meeting is just not about the flash it probably is about fantastic beasts and like okay like this this actor is like a major part of these uh franchises and you know what was interesting when these stories broke uh twitter because that grant gustin who plays the flash on tv on the cj on the tv show um he started trending on twitter and then the whole situation started trending on Twitter because they were like, just replace Ezra Miller with Grant Gustin. A lot of people, a lot of people at the time when they announced the the movies like that they were doing Justice League and they were casting Ezra Miller as a Flash, they were like, well, why not use like the established TV actor who has a fan base and just like bring him into the movies? Uh, I guess they want to keep that separate, but like, you know, now every now everyone who wanted that in the beginning, they were like, well, see, we told you so. Just bring in Grant Gustin and let him be the Flash. <laughs> Yeah, well, see, he's, well, he, well, the problem with doing that is that the the Arrowverse is its own thing with its own established continuity and versions of these characters. And in the Flash movie, we're supposed to be introduced to the DC Extended Universe's version of Supergirl. And the Arrowverse already has a Supergirl and Melissa Benoist who just finished her run. And so, like, as I think Grant Gustin's a good Flash, but, like, it, if you make that canon to the DCEU, it would require at least two movies worth of explaining how all the Arrowverse stuff that was never meant to exist here now ties in to the movies. That's too much work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's, yeah, yeah, so exactly. At the same time, that's like, would you rather can't. do that, or would you, have, or would you rather have people be assaulted on set? Well... I would honestly rather recast him than have someone be in an unsafe working environment on the set of a movie. But yeah, yeah recast this guy. I mean, it's I mean, it's happened. Like recasts happen for a variety of reasons. If it's an unsafe working environment and he's causing it, then yeah, I say ditch him. Yeah, and I know they and they they stress that Ezra Miller never got violent on set. That they, but he that he just had moments where he was losing it on set. And of course, it is so crazy that these stories didn't come out until after his arrest and all that. No one was really talking about his his behavior on this on set until recently. Um, but you know, like I, I, I say maybe give it time to kind of see, like if they, if Miller can like turn it around, you know, like it can like make it like and get better. 
because I, I know it's going to be a headache for the fucking studio to like release that movie in 2023. And if, if Ezra Miller is still all like messed up, then they have to recast the part, but they have to wait until after that movie comes out because they can't refilm what they've already done. No. They're going to lose a lot of money. If they, they're going to lose a lot of money if they do that. No. And they've been trying, they, and not only like they've been trying to make this specific flash movie, for about 15 years. Like, they've gone through so many scripts and directors and all this stuff, so this is the movie that they have to... We're also gay. It's like, what we've talked about, too, is that apparently this Flash movie is supposed to tie everything together. So if they do this one wrong, then it's just going to be a whole fuck-up for the rest of their movies that they've planned. Yep. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, a lot of... A part of me wants to be like, okay, well, let's see if Ezra Miller can get the help he needs, and maybe he can recover from this, and then... Uh, it'll be fine, but like you know, reading all this stuff in a row as like even before Owen, like when Owen got to, I was gonna go to that part next, and then I was like, yeah, the whole story as it progressed, like after that first day, I was like, yo, he just got arrested at a karaoke bar, and I was like, no, it was way more than that afterwards. <laughs> like he just it was so much worse, flew off the rails. all over a bad karaoke, song. <laughs> all over no, singing maybe. "Don't Stop Believing" at the karaoke bar or something. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Gosh. You know, it's almost like. You almost wish you could use the speed force to go back in time and tell him, "Don't do it." Like, like come on! It like, just don't. seems like he's he's obviously got some some issues that he needs to work through as well. Um, I I do feel for the guy. I mean, anytime someone has some serious outbursts like that, it just kind of proves that there's probably something going on behind the scenes that he needs help with. So um, I, I do feel for the guy in that aspect, but it's like after. Whatever it is, this is probably his fourth or fifth offense in the last two years. Like, you gotta get your gri- gotta get a grip, man. Like, you can't just take this off the chin. Um, you you, you got to get the help you need, and you obviously can't let let it affect because he's about to lose everything. Yeah, I mean Warner, two, two. Warner, Warner Brothers keeps getting hit with their universes. <laughs> like both the DCEU and the Harry Potter verse have have been like. One bit of like production controversy. controversy after another. Almost, almost every single film in their universe is hit with like some kind of something before release that kind of damages the perception around it for a while. I mean, it's a, it is a, it is a, it is fascinating to watch all this having play out with the studio in the past like five or six years. I feel bad for Warner Brothers, honestly. Yeah, yeah it makes for, me I, makes I, me I, not I, want to be a I, studio I, exec and be like, uh, no. again. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, like, I would never like. I like. It's like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Our producers are being terrible. What do you mean? Our actors like, are having breakdowns. Like, what do you, What do you mean? Like the fans <laughs> hate it, but we just spent two hundred fifty million dollars. Exactly. Yeah, like, you, you get that like, in the middle of the night. It's Hawaii time. Probably got a call in the middle of the night. They're like, yeah. So Ezra just like. Needs to get out of jail. Like, Are you freaking serious, man? Are you serious? <laughs> we keep getting the hit. We everyone hated Wonder Woman eighty four except for like eight people. So, like, <laughs> and I was one of those eight people that didn't hate it. But it was like I saw so many people dunking on that. It was like I feel so bad for DC. Every single one of their movies has like the most hyperbolic reactions given to. Yeah, they really do. It's it's like, dude. People are super passionate about these movies. I'm like, I'm happy you're passionate, but like, chill. A movie can just be okay. Yeah, for DC, <laughs> and that's perfectly yeah, I, fine. I guess that's a good point because for DC, it's either like really good or it's absolute shit. Well, and that's the thing. Like, 
Yeah, like, and I've, and there was a time where I was in the, it's either really great or terrible camp of DC movie thinking, and then I was like, no, let's actually be fair to these things. Like, some, I think all their movies, regardless of what I feel about them overall, have good elements in them. Like, they're not all complete. The bad ones are not all complete dumpster fires to me, and the good ones are not flawless masterpieces. It's like, okay. Yeah, I just try... It's like, yeah, like people get really into the superhero thing, and I'm into superhero stuff too. Like, I've got a Captain America shield, Stan Lee hanging on my wall. It's like, yeah, but it's like, I understand, like, these are movies. We can have calm discussions about, like, are they good or are they bad or passionate ones. It's not like, you didn't understand it. <laughs> that's my favorite. That's my favorite. That's my favorite criticism. <laughs> you just didn't get it. <laughs> I'm like okay, no, that's, <laughs> like, uh, no, no, that's the thing. Like I have, like I've seen so many people be like, people don't understand what DC's doing. Like, no, they understand it. They they just don't like some of it. Like, <laughs> what? Like they, that's okay for people not to like things. Yeah, it's, it's perfectly like, fine. It, it, yeah. Like yeah, I understand. They, I understand everything that's going on in Man of Steel and BBS, and I even like some of it. I just don't like other things that they're doing in it, and that's fine. I, I'm I'm friends with people online who are massive fans of those, and I'm like, hey, I'm happy you get some out of these that I don't. Yeah, and like the whole like, and because of that uh, Discovery Warner Brothers merger, I was look I was oh. looking on. I was looking on Twitter and like the restore the Snyderverse started trending oh, again. Cause like all those people who were like against it are like out. And so they have all these new people. Oh my in. God. So I, was like, I, was like, I was like, you got your movie. Just let it be like, you got your four hour, like four hour, your, your no, opus. You got it. So I went into that open at the end of that opus. And I was like, <laughs> Hey, you know what? For three and a half hours of this movie, I liked it. And then you had 25 minutes of scenes from movies that will never happen. Right. So my rating went, because I think my rating was going to be like, wow, he actually did it. He managed to make something that I'm going to, oh, oh no. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Okay, three and a half. Sorry. You just completely. Ugh. And then he just kind of—I think he just kind of upset fan. I mean, not upset them because like they weren't going to get they weren't going to get any of those story arcs at all. he—I felt bad for the fans. Like he cheated them. He went back to reshoot those things, and I'm like, you know, as well as anyone, you're not getting to make these movies, and so putting these in here for the fans to just tease them, I think, is a bad decision on your part. Yeah, and they certainly did tease them because because now they're all just like Snyder fans love it. They do. Man, I, I know. I know they love it. And my my favorite thing that came out of that was like all of the "this is the best Batman Joker conversation we've ever received." And I was just like, <laughs> "No, no, no, <laughs> no, it's, no, it's not. It's it. I've, I've like I haven't seen even I haven't even seen that much of Batman the animated series. But I'm like, I can think of a couple conversations that are better written than this." That's true. And that don't have Jared Leto in them. So no, well. no, 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 no. Like, Jared, Jared Leto's Joker I enjoy is an enigma of 
who looked at this and thought it was a good idea? Some drunk guy at the, t- yeah. at the table. Like, what if we <laughs> had him as like a mafia leader? <laughs> what if we have him as like a cool bro with damage across his forehead and all these tattoos that you'll never see in this purple open shirt jacket and all the all the bling? Yeah. It's like the Joker. You're trying to make him cool, like, but why? Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of mistakes done there. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, hopefully they figure this all out, and Ezra Miller fill it, figures too. all his stuff out too, and we have yeah, we have like another we have another like to be continued moment with that story too because don't know where that's going to yeah, end. We but don't. Hopefully, hope hopefully we'll find out soon. But I will I will talk about something that's a little happier in the industry because um, I saw Sonic the Hedgehog two yesterday. And oh, I saw it. I saw it Friday, and it was really good. I was like a little long, a little long. Like it was over two hours. That seems unnecessary for like a yeah. a movie aimed and at younger people. Feature, but uh, well, yeah, well, it, but it's, like, it's, it's live action. I mean, but yeah, it, yeah, it's aimed at kids, personally. Yeah, so like I saw I saw it on Sunday uh, with my little brother. It was the first time I've been to a theater with a bunch of children in like forever. It was packed with kids, <laughs> and yeah. there was a lot of crying babies and a lot of kids oh. talking. But once I got through all that, it was it was pretty good. And you know, when I did the when I did the box office predictions for this, I I called it at fifty five million for its opening weekend. And but then someone was like, "You're underestimating it." I think because like when the first one came out, it came out a month before all the theaters and stuff shut down because of COVID, and it opened to like fifty eight million when uh, it opened in February twenty twenty. And this one like way exceeded it and opened to seventy one million dollars this weekend. Family, and family's doing it a movie is, to go see. Yeah, it, it does. They do, and like, and this one's fun. I mean, and and in that one fell swoop, it's the yeah. highest opening weekend for a video game adaptation, and the per- and its predecessor was the previous highest opening for a video game adaptation. This is the highest opening for uh, Jim, Jim Carrey's career, which is crazy too. I didn't I didn't know that till I read it, but like his previous highest opening was sixty eight million for Bruce Almighty, um, and. Uh, the audience really likes it. Uh, it has like a 97% audience score around tomatoes. It has an A cinema score uh, from opening day moviegoers. It seems like everyone that, I mean, critics thought it was okay. It has like a 68% fresh rating, which is like kind of low, but, but good for that kind of movie. And I think uh, if you, if you, I think if you're a fan of the games and you're a fan of like that character in general, it was just like a fun little movie. And there were some cool little references to the video games as well. And then I think bringing in tails and knuckles and it was like, it was like fan service. Done right. Yeah. And I think, and I think it was like a perfect storm of like, like you said, like families needed a movie to see and this, and it also kind of appeals to not just young kids, but like people who grew up playing the game. So it kind of like had like all these different pockets that you could like, satisfied well, also too i mean uh, sonic was such an older game it's like i mean our generation and generations above us were playing sonic and so i feel like a lot of younger kids now they've they'd never really played that game so to them he's just a really cool character uh and so like kind of yeah. reintroducing sonic as not necessarily just a video game character but just like a lovable character in general and he's always kind of had this quick wit and i think ben schwartz was such a perfect choice for it because uh I've, i mean i've been watching ben schwartz since he used to do youtube um like uh sketch comedy 
Uh, if you guys have ever seen, yeah. you guys need to go back. If you've never seen Jake and Amir, um, he used to do um, uh, like little uh, cameos for that. And he is just absolutely hilarious um, and just always loved everything he's done. Obviously, part his Parks and Rec character, John Ralphio. Um, he just does such yeah. a good job in everything that he does. And so for to have that voice, I just love the fact that he's kind of gotten this moment as um, sort of his big break uh, to make a lot of money but also to have a character that um is kind of his and also makes a lot of money for him and people really enjoy so it's it's just something that is dear to my heart just from the fact that i love ben schwartz so really glad for him james marsden he's good and everything so i guess yeah good for him and then good for jim carrey so i'm i'm just i'm I'm just really happy that this is done done well uh kids really like it which I think is good because there's a lot of kids' movies out there. I think Wreck-It Ralph is probably the last one I can think of that kind of blew up in this way, that kind of created yeah. a character or, or took another character and just kind of made it into something that became a phenomenon. So uh, really glad to see that for the next generation of uh, children out there who now get to probably play some of their old parents' games. Yeah, and from and I guess like so I'm guessing like both of you guys are like old style gamers who have like played a lot of his. I mean, I used games. to. I mean, I grew I grew up on Sonic. I mean, I don't play video games much anymore or at all anymore. But I grew up on yeah. Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, the second one being especially a favorite because I can remember distinctly like being gifted that like like my parents my parents bought it for me and I remember getting it on Sega Genesis and then you know in, them introducing Tails and like in that and then I remember getting the I think the third one and then Sonic and Knuckles had like the uh you could connect the third one to Sonic and Knuckles and you could actually like play levels on Sonic 3 and on Sonic and Knuckles so like yeah. I remember all that growing up so it definitely kind of hits like a certain nostalgia part uh for yeah. me and like I thought I thought it was cool that they put on Twitter today that this movie was like number one in such a big way and it was like yeah. 30, 30 years after like the second one had like become the fastest selling oh. video game of that year of nineteen ninety two, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, and I mean for me from the place where I come at with this franchise is that like I I, I have like fr- I have friends who, who who play Science Hedge. I like I'll watch them play it on Twitch, you know, and I'll talk to them. And so I so I'm familiar somewhat with the Sonic stuff. I, I had like the the mega CD collection on my GameCube when I was a kid with like all the games on it, but I, I didn't play many of them. So I'm, I'm coming at these, like how do these function as movies in their own right? And I, what I like about them is that they're approachable to a general audience of like, Hey, if you've never played a Sonic video game before, you can enjoy this. So if, true. You, if you can so go with it. and like that, like with the first movie, like I liked that when, with this movie, I, with the second movie, I thought it was an improvement in some, in certain ways in the first one. Again, I liked the first one a lot. This one I thought had a lot better action in it. Yeah, like the action was bigger, definitely and did, better, definitely and did, and better, and better shot. I felt like they were more confident this time about how bizarre and weird we can go with our story and how many game elements we can put in here without losing people. And I thought it was a really great move to bring in Colleen O'Shaughnessy to, to play Tails again. The voice of Tails, yeah. Yeah, because not only do you have somebody who's done this character for a long time and who knows how to... She knows what she's doing. But you also throw a bone to the fans of, like, we're not just going to recast everybody that you love to get a new, like, famous voice actors, which I know is kind of a... That's a little bit of a thing right now of, like, why are you recasting all these people when the voice actors are still here right um 
yeah, I thought she didn't. I thought she was probably like the standout vocal performance of it, next to Ben Schwartz. And yeah, I and I also think that the I like the human actors they got. I like that they're into it. They're not just doing it for money or for their kids. It's like, hey, they want to be here. They're giving good performances. They're having a fun time, and it's enjoyable for me as a twenty. It was very enjoyable for me as like a twenty-seven-year-old man to sit in that theater with a bunch of families and kids who were laughing together. And I'm like, that's great. We need more of this. Yeah. Once I got, once I got over all like the baby crying and the yelling. Oh yeah. I actually oh, did. Yeah, enjoy, no, no. I did enjoy <laughs> that was- part too. I actually thought that it was a cool like collective experience. That like, I mean, these kids were loving every aspect of it. They were like, oh yeah. You, they were like enamored by it. And I, you know, I, 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 you brought something interesting about like the human characters, which usually in a movie like this, sometimes that stuff doesn't work that well. It's just kind of boring, and you're oh. waiting to get back to like you know, the animated stuff, but the, uh-huh. the, hum- uh, James Marsden, like Tika Sumter, they, Jim yeah. Carrey, they all do a really good job of selling the it's believability cool. in, in that world and like being immersed in it and not acting like they're acting against like something that isn't there. Like they're, cool. they're very much in- invested and involved in it. And I, I thought all the stuff at the wedding was hilarious. That was just mainly oh my them. God. Like that, that wedding stuff, that, I loved it. Like I didn't recognize Shamar Moore until the credits came in, but Shamar Moore plays her sister's husband, and I was like, yeah. "Yes, yeah, you're off the criminal minds. You're actually in a real movie." <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's cool to kind of see all that, and like I agree with the whole Ben Schwartz thing because like he's fully embraced voicing this character, and you can tell that he really yeah. loves doing it, and he and he actually like kind of like brings. I, I think more so in this one, he wanted to bring more of his personality into it and kind of like kind of like yeah, improvise a bit and like and I you could kind of tell that he did that and I think most importantly though the, the movie has like a lot of heart and it's it's funny uh, and there's a lot of action and I wanted to comment on Idris Elba really quick because at first I was like yeah. why did they yeah, send the voice knuckles right but there were certain moments that he they really use knuckles as like the straight man that doesn't understand like yeah he's like very stoic and he's all about honor so like there there, there are a lot of jokes about like how he doesn't quite understand like why is Sonic always acting so funny? So like his voice, his voice was perfect for that. Um, and yeah. it, but, it, but it takes some growing into it. At first, I was like, I don't know if I like this. But then yeah, they started, like, this, but then they started playing in on the jokes of him being like basically like an old like curmudgeon that like <laughs> who, who, who's like trained and Sonic's not. So they they played into that. They played in that really well. I thought, well, which I thought was kind of funny. Yeah, I was I was kind of I was a little bit mixed on him throughout. Like I thought there I thought there were moments where he shined, and then I thought there were moments where I was like, okay, you're he's not the most experienced voice actor. There there might be a few moments of like, okay, this is kind of one note stoicism you're doing and Sonic, I will kill you. It's like there's this, a lot of that. Like, <laughs> there's a lot of like, all right, you're gonna keep playing that song. But and <laughs> I thought it got better as it went on, and I ultimately liked. I liked where they took him, like yeah. where they where they took his character. I was like, I thought at the end of it, the last scene that we have with him was his funniest line. I thought the like that last scene was yeah the last with, scene with him. With I thought the, he was hilarious. The, the, the ice cream and the baseball and all that. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah, was all that, really, that, 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 that was his funniest bit to me. That, that was really funny, and um, I, you know, they already they already greenlit a third one, and there's already uh, there's a, a Knuckles spin-off, spinoff series that's going to Paramount Plus. So, given the yeah. fact that it it's made so much money already, and you can tell there's an end credit scene. They are they oh, are yeah, building, no. they are building a universe. You can tell, but at yeah. least at least they're having fun with it. 
So I can actually, yeah. I can forgive the whole like, all right, you guys are trying to build this whole like Sonic thing. It's not like, it's not too over the top where it's like, oh, it's pretentious. Like it's, no. it's clearly fun and they're having a good time. And like, they're definitely doing all this for like the fans of the games. And like, like either you discovered it from watching the movies or you played them when you were a kid. Like you could tell that that's what they're kind of feeding into. And it, I respect that and it works. Yeah, I yeah, it was it was fun. Like I went yeah, I'm I'm happy I'm very happy that this franchise exists in the way it does and that it's kind of riding its own very weird tide right now and just being a fun, like family oriented you know, a fun family oriented thing. Yeah. That kids can enjoy for like all the action and the annex with the animals and the adults can enjoy the writing of it. And like and you know, and like, and, could, like all thing. Yeah, and hot take right now, just because Reviews for Fantastic Beasts are like kind of mixed. They're like it's like it has like a fifty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I have like a slight belief that Sonic can still be number one next week, and Fantastic Beasts debuts in second. Just because I, I, I don't know how much hype is like there, and like there seems to be like all this extra hype that like that people didn't know Sonic kind of had heading into this weekend because seventy one million Harry dollars. Potter, is one. Don't discount Harry Potter fans, bro. Well, no, well, they say, I don't. Well, I don't know. I, I'm inter- I'm very interested to see how Fantastic Beast does because this that franchise has been mixed, like in terms of reception from everyone on day one. There are some people that yeah. love it. Some people are like, whatever. I mean, I'm seeing it just because of how odd the last one was. I'm like, I kind of have to see what you want to do after that. Like even if I end up not liking him, like I have to see at least one more. And if I end up hating this one, then I'm done. Then you're gonna tap. You're gonna tap out. Oh, yeah. yeah. So- <laughs> I'm done. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I gave you three movies to win me over, and you just did. And you failed. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you failed. I do want to point this out too, because we talked about like how much Morbius was gonna fall this weekend. And <laughs> I, I thought I was being generous. I said sixty five percent, but then like people spoke with their wallets, and it fell seventy four percent from last weekend down to ten point oh. two million. Um, it will be lucky to make its production budget in the states. Now overseas, it's doing all right. It's not doing great, but I, I would just hope that like this makes Sony like have a meeting and go like, yo, we can't just like assembly line crank these things out. Like they have to be good. And I'm really kind of like, I I really don't support a film's failure, but something like Morbius, which I just think they should have tried harder and done better. I think you need to, they, it needs to be hit like that. So they understand that like fans just won't accept anything. Well, yeah. And like, it's just, I think the whole idea of them doing a like Spider-Man villain verse, this is a concept. I like the concept of it, but it's like, you guys have made three like mid-tier B movies at this point, starring Spider-Man characters. Yeah, like that's all right, but you like you're not going to hold weight for much longer unless you make one that is like legitimately really, really good, like crowd pleasing. It doesn't make a lot of like people actually like it. They want to return to it, tell their friends go and see this because it's really good. They yeah. haven't had that yet. Yeah, not at all. And, you know, it's kind of speaking with the box office. I was also surprised because I saw, I won't stay on this too long, but I saw Ambulance as well this weekend and thought it was really good. I was really surprised that it it flopped this weekend. It only made like $8.7 million. Uh, But Mm -hmm. I think it was Variety wrote an interesting story, I think. I think it was Variety that basically said that they think that streamers like Netflix 
have like kind of killed like the traditional action movie on the big screen. Like they mm-hmm. think that ambulance would have been better suited at home. Oh yeah. Rather than. Well, yeah. I think, I think if ambulance had been a Netflix release with all the, with Michael Bay's name and six underground having been a huge success for them. It's like, look, man, as much as I hate, you know, non IP movies all going to streamers now, it's like, this would have done gangbusters this weekend. If you'd launched it. I agree. Netflix. I know that's, Fact. I would have yeah. seen it. And I was surprised. I was surprised. I mean, like now it's the lowest opening for a Michael Bay movie ever, which is uh, crazy. And this is like this is like low this is like lower scale Michael Bay. It's only a forty million dollar movie. <laughs> so it's oh, not wow. even expensive. <laughs> like, <it's- laughs> and the thing, like, I know people will like it because like the I saw it in an audience that had four people in it, including myself. And the two people sitting in my row we were looking at each other laughing at so many moments of this, like, dude, that was so awesome. Oh my God. They actually just did that. So yeah, yeah I know that there's an audience for this movie. It's, they're just not going to go out to the theaters to see it. Yeah, I agree. Yep. And you know, and it's unfortunate too, because we always give Michael Bay shit for not making like traditionally good movies. And this one gets good reviews and no one sees it. I thought this one I have some quibbles about like the the last third of it going too much, but like for the most part, I thought this was a. I thought that this was Michael Bay making a movie that actually answered a lot of the criticisms that Michael Bay movies usually get. Like, okay, we're not like sexualizing every woman like a car ad anymore. We're not treating all minority characters like stereotypes as mm-hmm, much yep. anymore. We're not doing like there's explosive stuff, but you can tell what's happening. Like it's not all quick cuts, character. yeah, yeah. Like there's actual character dynamics at play here. I'm like, what have you done with my Michael Bay? <laughs> is this really the same one? <laughs> but no, but no, but no, really, but no, really. I think it is a substantial improvement for him as a director that he took this script on, and I hope that he makes more movies in this vein. Well, yeah, but I, I honestly think once it goes to like video on demand and it, if it lands on like a streaming service, I think it will do better at home. Like, because uh, I, I. I I was just so surprised that like th- like the male demographic's been coming out for movies, and I was just really surprised that they didn't respond to this. But then I read that article and was like, oh, maybe it is like you're getting stuff like Extraction and Red Notice on Netflix. Like maybe you don't really need. Uh, it's, maybe it's a harder sell to sell these movies on the big screen now. They need like a bigger hook, oh, basically. Yeah, and you know, and Jake Gyllenhaal's had a few movies on Netflix that have done well now. So I thought maybe... The Guilty was really good. It was definitely not necessarily the setting that I expected, but I, I thought he's been really good in everything that he's been in recently. Yeah, I, I haven't seen The Guilty yet, but it's on it's on my watch list. Uh, but yeah, he's... Yeah. But yeah, I, I also feel bad for Yaya Abdul-Mateen and Eliza Gonzalez, who are just kind of coming up. It's like... I think they're really good. I think that he's a really promising young star, and from this, she she seems really promising as well. So I hope that they can get. I hope that they can gain more traction and get more projects because they're really good. Yeah. Well, um, there's one thing I'm going to spend just a little a short thing on, just because I was just surprised by it happening. But I, I shouldn't be surprised with anything that Vin Diesel does. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I was just like, and I, I didn't even see this like on the Hollywood Reporter. I was just like scrolling through my Instagram. And I see this picture of him and Brie Larson together. And I was like, oh, that's cool. They know each other. Whatever. <laughs> and, and then I read the caption. And he basically, that's how he announced. That's how he announced that she's in Fast 10. So and I was weird, like. weird, man. He, he just, he's such a weird promoter. 
<laughs> he's an awesome guy. Like, hey, here's me and my new co-star. We're in Serious like, Ten together. What? Yeah. Just so casual. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> I was so confused by it that I can't even tell if it was a real story. And I was like, oh, it is. Because then she posted it on hers. And I was like, all right, well, I mean, he does a good job of being like, oh, I'm going to get Jason Momoa. I'm going to get Brie Larson. And like, he knows how to generate like hype, I guess. But it just came out of nowhere. We don't know who she's playing, but I think it's kind of cool. I think at this point, I think we have three Oscar winners who have been attached to this franchise. <laughs> it's like Charlie Theron, Helen Mirren, and now Brie Larson. So that doesn't mean like, if you have an, if you have, no, he hasn't. I almost, I thought he had, but he hasn't. Um, so it's so it's it's interesting that he can pull in these like Oscar winning people, these people that would probably never touch this franchise like ten years ago, and like yeah. now they're all about it, and like. At this point, I don't really care who she plays. I like Brie Larson. Like when we wrote this story for Joe Blow, there are people that don't like her and they're triggered by her. I feel like she gets a bad reasons. rap no matter what. Like there's some diehard haters yeah. out there of Brie Larson. Yeah, she yeah. whatever. Like like she steps outside. Oh my god, Brie Larson. It's like, dude. Like if you disagree with something she says or does, that's fine. But like, it's almost like this woman breathing the air gets some people offended. It's like, come on. Wait until yeah. she does something. Like if she does yeah, something, she hasn't done anything wrong. Like worse, anger. I mean, but yeah, like it, it's entertaining to me reading these. Like, oh my god, why is Brie Larson in this thing? Takes it's like she's probably gonna do fine. They cast yeah. really well. They're, like, they're still these movies is fun. Like they're, 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 they're no, they're still they're still just all upset about Captain Marvel, and then she speaks her uh, mind. Like heaven forbid that you know she speaks her mind. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah I knew, as soon as I posted, <laughs> yeah, as soon as yeah, I posted yeah. it, I was like, oh god, uh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> I just wait for the well, comments no, in the comments. Like, people, yeah, I I remember the Captain Marvel debacle was hilarious. I remember that, and I saw it. I'm like, okay, I get why some people don't like this movie, but I, I dug it. I, I liked her in it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. I was like, we don't need this much hate over one yeah. person who hasn't done anything remotely to deserve it. Yep. Um, well, I wanted, I wanted to happen to the cabin of Wissa, but I, I, I want to get Owen's take a little bit first. Cause I know he has to like hop off soon to do some, uh, some adulting. Um, but, um, uh, cabin of the woods came out, uh, well, by the time you hear this episode, it'll be uh, ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it was supposed to come out. It was supposed to come out a lot earlier than that because it was sh- like shot in like 2009, and then like MGM actually had the rights to it, mm-hmm. but then like there were some there were some issues with like money and all that stuff, so it kind of they shelved it indefinitely. And then Lionsgate finally bought it and had like a surprise screening of it in 2011, and then it opened wide on April 13th, 2012. Um, the, the good news scenario with that is by the time that it opened in 2012, Chris Hemsworth, who wasn't known at all when he was initially cast, uh, had been in like oh, Star Trek at that point and then like Thor. Mm-hmm. So by the time that it, kinda, it came out in 2012, it was like, oh, it's that guy from like the new the new guy yeah, from the Marvel yeah, yeah. movies. And then he was go- and then he ends up in, you know, of course, the Avengers comes out the next month in May. Mm-hmm. So like the, the, the timing for it kind of worked out as far as if you're going to like be shelled for a while like at least come out in that way um but you know i it came out 10 years ago uh it was best viewed as something that like it it was good to go into it not knowing what it was Mm -hmm. and and like my my initial thought of it when i saw previews and all the posters and like just the title i was like all right this is just going to be a typical like slasher movie kids in the woods a nice homage to like 80s slasher movies but then it's just 
not at all. It's so much. More than, it's, so, it's, so, it's so much more. It's so much more than that. It like it kind of plays with all those like genre tropes a bit, and in a really fun way. Like if you're a horror fan, you're like, all right, I get it. But I also don't think you need to really be one in general to enjoy it. There's just so much fun stuff that they do with it. I think it kind of owes a debt a little bit to kind of like scream and stuff yeah. being successful because it kind of shows that like yeah. you can be kind of funny and you can be you can be meta and all that stuff. Um, you know, written uh, written by Joss Whedon and Drew Goddard. Um, Joss Whedon is someone that you know we've talked about a lot yeah. on here, despite how, despite how like you know the man he we know him as now. Like you know he was a huge creative force behind like. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, this movie, The Avengers. Um, you know, he's a very intelligent writer. Uh, Drew Goddard also directed this, also a very good uh, director and writer. They've worked together before on Buffy, so they had like a good second hand already with each other. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll get Owen's take on it first, and then um, and then Kevin and I can go into more stuff after that. But I am curious to see, like, you know, what was it like when you first saw it, and were you surprised by it when you first saw it? Yeah, no, when I first saw it, um, it was definitely, like, um, I had no idea what I, what to expect going in. And I think that this this movie just has, like, it really made me realize that horror movies are kind of one of the only ones you can kind of go meta with. Like, you don't really see, like, a sort of meta action movie where it makes fun of all the different tropes. But horror movies, like, th- this one just does a perfect job of setting the stage with the jock and his girlfriend and the stoner and all of these characters that just come, <laughs> like, with a horror movie. And it's like, well, they're going to act like idiots or they're going to make poor decisions. And the people behind the scenes know that. And so, like, it, it just has this perfect dynamic of um, of those tropes, but also does it, I think, in a better way sometimes than Scream, just because it gives an actual laughability to it um, where you do kind of have like, Oh, this realization moment where it's like, Oh my gosh, that is hilarious, but it's not necessarily a laugh out loud one. And I think the actor who plays, gosh, the only thing I can ever reference him as is the dad and stepbrothers. Oh, Richard, oh, uh, Richard, Richard Jenkins. His performance is so good because as things start to kind of go off the rails, I think that his his reactions to that are just so good. Where it's like, you know what, just fuck it, let's just do everything, and let's just kind of get, yeah. <laughs> let's just kind of go after it. But I think that it's it's one of my favorite, um, if not my favorite, um, sort of meta uh, horror movie, and uh, that just produces a, a bunch of laughs and also just a really great story that um, just keeps you on the edge of your seat, no matter what uh, part of the movie it's in. But uh, I yeah. appreciate I, you, you, know, you know. Um, <laughs> I, I do have to hop off here. Um, got a well, day tomorrow, so I just wanted to give my input. But um, just want to say thanks again, and um, hope you guys uh, enjoy the rest of the conversation. It's been um, it's it's definitely a great movie. So I can't wait to uh, hear the playback and hear what you have to say, Kevin. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. And we'll see you next week, Owen. Oh, uh, oh, oh, next week's our, our it's our uh, Stoner uh, uh, episode Perfect. next week for four twenty. So, yeah, we'll, we'll be excited to have Owen back for that. But, yeah, me and uh, Kevin will continue the conversation. And thank you, Owen, for being on as long as you have been, knowing that you have uh, important shit to do. So I appreciate it. Thank there you. we go. You got it. Peace out. Oh, yeah. So, like, uh, you know, it's funny because like, you brought up the Richard uh, 
Jenkins, Jenkins. Uh, which I thought yeah. Yeah, my, one of my favorite moments is when they realize that the plan is not working in Japan. <laughs> and then and then he like and then he just like goes to the screen and he's just like fuck you fuck you fuck you fuck you like he's like so yeah, mad <laughs> yeah and that's the thing like, like even like even like working so I guess not like even like working backwards from that like when I first I remember I remember the hype for this like right. I remember back in 2012 this is like the the most anticipated horror movie Joss Ween's attached and that Thor guy is in it and you know all of this like you know horror is in the it's in this it's been in this stage of like remakes and torture porn and all this kind of stuff and this was the one that kind of that to me I think kind of like reinvigorated the genre for people of like wow you can actually do something Right, with different this setup again that hasn't really been done on this scale before, and so I appreciate for that. Um, I went into it knowing that it was like going to be something crazy. I didn't know what that crazy was, so the way that it opens, I was like, "Wait, what? What the hell's what going on? Doing? What the hell? Like, why are we with these two business guys?" And then, like, I really like how in the beginning of it, it is like. It is really light and really funny and just really kind of jokey and you and you like these characters a ton and yeah. you know you, you're just getting with them and then it, the, the tension and the gore slowly build over time with it. Like I well, just, like, yeah, I think the first thirty minutes kind of builds up on the whole like cliches of like horror movies of the '80s where you know you, you first you have all the stereotypes like he mentioned like you know you have like the jock and his like you know you know, promiscuous girlfriend are like, yeah. Uh, and, oh then my like, God. and then you have like the, ver- then you have like the virginal character. Right. And then like what yeah, they call, they, like, and then they, they call the stoner, the fool in this. And then like, yeah. and then the, what was it? The intellect or whatever. Uh, so you yeah, had all those, like the, all those stereotypes and they really do kind of, as you're getting to know them, cause you do start to care about them. Cause they, they're likable enough in the beginning that you're like, all right, I'm invested in like what goes on with them. Yeah. Yeah. You, and like, you, you like them. And so, like, I was impressed, like, with that, and then, like, because, you know, it's, I think it's almost, like, past the 30-minute mark before anything, like, happens, happens. Like, you know something's, you know something's up, and you know that they're kind of in this, like, this world that you're not sure what's going on, because, like, you know, when they're driving along the road towards the beginning, and then that bird flies, and it hits, like, the, like, the force field thing that's around them. Yeah, the shield. Yeah, and that's when you're like, oh, this is something completely, this is not what I think it's going to be. This is not about a bunch of kids getting murdered in the cabin, and it's not a slasher movie. Um, Yeah, and I loved also that it kind of like it kind of picks different types of really cool horror movies to kind of pay homage to. There's a lot of like Evil Dead in there. Yeah, there's a ton of Evil Dead, and then like the and was like maybe like the Hills Have Eyes. They were like, oh, the cannibal people, or yeah, I mean, yeah, I I love their little like horror monster board of ideas and like yeah, that board was like looking the board. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) they got a betting pool of like who's gonna choose the object to like how they're gonna die, and they're like, oh, it's like it's like a sports game. Yeah, how are they gonna get it? Like when I (laughs) when that one girl is like, well, I pick zombies, and he's like, well, no, you didn't pick like. It's like you know, redneck. Yeah, redneck zombies, which is like a different level of zombie. Uh, but yeah, I thought that stuff was like really funny and really cool. And uh, just from like a horror movie, like gore 
just like really good like like, practical effects and all that stuff like it it's also really well done in that regard and i found out this today when i was like reading up on it um Heather Langenkamp, who played you know Nancy and like yeah, Nightmare yeah, on Elm Street, yeah, yeah. Her, her husband her husband is a special effects uh, artist, which I did know, I did know that. But his company was the one that works on Cabin in the Woods, which I thought was like really cool that uh, she that in a weird way that she got to be kind of involved in this kind of like horror film as well. Um, oh, but that's yeah. what that's what her husband does for a living, and like his company works on all the uh, the effects and gore effects on uh, this film, which I thought was really cool, like that little tie in to like. Different yes, horror movies. That is that is very cool, and I think that the and yeah, like all of the like all of the kill all of the kills in here, I think, are very. I like that they're brutal. Like they don't they don't hold back on the gore of this at all. I mean, it is a it is a some of these people. You're like, oh, that's a terrible way to go. Yeah, and then and and yeah, like the. And I just like that. I don't know the way that they play around with horror tropes and make it work for them. Like I think yeah. my favorite. I think my favorite joke is like when the when all the when all the characters are like okay we're not going to split up. That's stupid. Yeah, and exactly. That gas and like that. See, yeah. that is one of my favorite horror tropes, like in a straight horror movie, because it's like y'all are just dumb. Yeah. And so for them to play with it, I was. Actually, yeah, no, that one, and then the other one is, um, we're gonna make the intelligent one dumb with her hair, with her shampoo yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep. yeah. I love, I love when they like they release the pheromones to go make to make Chris Hemsworth and his girlfriend go out there to have sex so they can like separate yeah. them from the group. And, and, I, and I thought that was really cool too when they like he's like, oh, we gotta stick together, and he was like, oh, no, 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 that's not gonna work. And then he yeah. like, releases that stuff. Like, no, no, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Let's we should split up. We can cover more ground. And they're like, what? Okay. Yeah. yeah. No. And yeah. And even yeah, there's a bunch of cool little things like that in there. And then like the picture in the the main girl's room that's a camera, like a see through painting thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a there's there's just so many cool details of like how they make this premise work. Where you're like, that's ingenious. Yeah, and you know it's a credit to Joss Whedon and Drew Goddard, uh, kind of what yeah. they wrote, and like you know they I watched some of the, like the special features because I watched it again today, and uh-huh. you know how they talked about how they wrote it. They basically were like, "Let's do what we used to do. Let's go lock ourselves away, like like somewhere far away, and like a whole weekend where we just write, we just crank this thing out." And they would get up at like they said six in the morning and write until like one in the morning. One person upstairs, one person downstairs. Just cranking out like here's 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 my part of the first act and like oh here's my part of the first act and then they would like uh-huh. print it out like old school style and like that's how they kind of came up with the whole thing like they and they were used to writing together so they they could write quickly and write something really fast and and they both had this like really good idea you know you know Joss Joss Whedon on that special features thing said that he wanted to explore why do bad things happen to all these blonde girls, which just has, that's been like his thing. That has been his thing. Yeah, for, I've, I've, for, I've, for, I've right. noticed like even, even since the, I remember like even the first episode of Buffy, the first scene is like a, a blonde girl getting attacked. It's like, yeah. what is your thing with blonde girls, man? Well, like, well now, blonde. now we know now that he has like, if you, if you write, if oh, you look yeah. at how he write how he writes women uh, in retrospect, even someone strong like Buffy, like, you know he has he has a very interesting complex 
not all to their view of like women in his own right. And, you know, and yeah. it's just, and that's just based on someone who is, you know, it seemed like, you know, he didn't get a lot of play when he was younger. He was kind of a nerd. And then he became like, he becomes this big writer and like develops this big TV show. Then he becomes like a substantial director. He gets involved with Marvel and now he has all this power. And, yeah, and then if you watch over time how he write, like I was even trying to how he wrote some of the women in here, he could kind of get away with it a little bit because they were they were playing the stereotypes, right? So they could yeah. kinda, like so like with the blonde girl, you know, like who was supposed to be promiscuous, well that's the role she was supposed to play, and yeah, the the virginal girl, you know, also was supposed to kind of play like the nice one. So I guess he can kind of get away with like playing with those stereotypes a bit more than he would have if it was like a straight horror film. He was actually yeah. kind of like he's he gets like oh I'm actually commenting on it rather than just like this is what I'm saying it's, it is yeah and I think even too like I also like too that like because normally in these things like the like the jock character or that that this that character type to me a lot of times I don't like them the ones who's just there like hey let's party let's just yeah. or let's just have sex or let's just do stupid I'm like. I can't wait for them to die. And so this time I actually liked, I liked how Chris Hemsworth played that. And I liked how that was written because he becomes more lunk-headed as it goes on very yeah. gradually. And it was like, okay, good. Like I like him and you're making fun of this kind of character. They made him likable. But they made him yeah. like, and that, that's something a lot of these horror movies get wrong from that era is like, like I don't like the kids in the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. I don't like the fright the Friday Thirteenth remake kids. It's like because <laughs> they're all assholes. Like well, well, I've only seen like the first ten minutes of that, but I was like, I'm so happy you all died. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like well, but like in, in only like in the Friday Thirteenth, it's kind of a fake out kind of deal. Right, right. But like, but yeah, like I, I'm just I'm so. But yeah, like seeing horror movie characters in a slasher scenario who I actually like spending time with and who I care about is such a rarity. And so for this, I'm like, good, you answered my biggest criticism of these kind of movies. Yeah, and, you, and like, and, and it's honestly true of all of them. Even like, I think they all kind of they did a good job of making sure that you knew they were all friends, and like there wasn't like that kind of tension that kind of arises because like the jock character is like picking on the. The nerd, and I like that they kind of made jokes that, like, you know, they he the jock was smart, and you know they they gradually just yeah. made him dumber. They made him dumber, and that's how like they were like, no, something's not right. They all their personality things start to change based on like yeah. what the what these people wanted them to do. Uh, you know, they're being like controlled like little puppets basically, and like you know, I thought that I thought that was really cool that they kind of turned like those traditional like personalities on their head a bit. And they yeah, weren't like, they, and they I weren't suppose, like, at, yeah. I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, no, they, yeah, it, yeah. It's in terms of that, I think it is one of the strongest horror movies of recent years. It's like, wow, you actually. I think that it. I think that if I think it definitely helps if you have seen at least one of the '80s slasher movies, you're at least partially yeah. aware of the the trope that they're working with, because. I think sometimes when he does stuff in here, um, it's very clearly homaging certain things like Evil Dead or like you know cannibal stuff or just like things like that. So if you if you haven't seen those things or are not aware of them, some of it might be, oh, this is weird that it went that way or that they, they did yeah, that. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, but still, I, I think that he wrote something that was, for the most part, very accessible to people who just have a general understanding of horror and those who are major fans of it. Yeah, and I also think kind of brave because, you know, I would think this would be a tough sell to, like, the general movie-going public. And I think they figured out a way to really market it well. And, you know, kind of yeah. using the whole, like, you know, a lot of it being used with Joss Whedon's name. And then, of course, you know, by the time it comes out, because of all the delays, now Chris Hemsworth is, he's a he's a little higher of a level now because he's been in this Marvel movie now uh, by the time Cabin in the Woods comes out. Um, you know, that I, I was surprised to learn, like, it was successful when it came out. It opened at number, I think, number one like $14.8 million and it made $42 million here and $66 million worldwide on a $24 million budget. And that was, you know, based solely on like it being like clever, new and unique. Hello. Which I thought was really cool. So there. Oh, got you back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It, it went out. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. But yeah, I just thought that it, the, the fact that it did so well, uh, it was based on the fact that it was just a unique and really cool idea that people like embraced a bit. And you know, even though it might have been a tough sell, like it, it ended up working. And I, I think this is one of the cases where like a delay really helps because I don't know if this if this comes out in like 2010 as intended. I don't know if it hits as hard. No, I I don't think it does because. Because again, I remember, like, I grew up in that, and I wasn't seeing these because I wasn't old enough to yet, but I remember growing up in that period where every horror movie was like, it's a jump scare fest. It's right. a gore fest. It's, uh, you know, they're not making these things to, like, they're not, they're just making these things as, like, we're trying to be Saw, we're trying to be, like, just whatever dark, grainy creature, what things... And right. I think in 2010, that was still kind of the norm. And so if it had come out then, I don't, I feel like in 2010, it would have gotten lost in the shuffle of horror yeah. things. And I think, because I think that year, like the Wolfman came out and my Bloody Valentine 3D, I think two came out then. And so it might have gotten lost. It's like, oh, another one of these horror movies that. Yeah. You know, they keep pumping out. But yeah, because of that delay and because of, you know, Joss Whedon getting on the Avengers and because of Chris Hemsworth and his increased star power, I think it, it really bolstered the film and how successful it became. Yeah. And, you know, and critics liked it too. I think it's like a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. You know, but, yeah, you, and that's what you can tell when, like, you know, they don't always embrace horror movies, but like, they will when they're you know they doing they're doing something a little bit different from like the norm and you know everyone everyone got the humor and everyone got what you know they were trying to do with it and you know and you know in horror horror comedy doesn't always work you know it's a it's a rough balance sometimes and I'm not saying that this one is just like a straight comedy because it is more like a little bit more clever and more meta yeah, it, it, uh, it, it's a horror it's a horror like it's a horror film first with yeah, funny jokes in it. in it yeah exactly. And, you know, and I think that's why it kind of does work. It, it finds, like, the right balance between both of those uh, genres. I do want to ask you before we wrap up. I love the last, what, 15, 20 minutes of this movie? Oh. Because it, it gets so, it gets so <laughs> oh, like, shit yeah. crazy. Like, that is... <laughs> I... I love the last act of this movie because 
they've built up, all right, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? Yeah. And the deaths have got increasingly gorier and the monsters and all this. And then they just have an all-out monsters attack finale. Yeah. And there's gore everywhere and SWAT guys getting limbs torn off and sea monsters. And then they bring out Sigourney Weaver to explain <laughs> it. <laughs> Which makes like perfect sense if you if you're like who else? Because like, you know she has that like she has that delivery right. Like she can she's deliver. Got that, like, she's got that. She's got that kind of commanding presence where when she talks, you listen. Like you, you know, if you're gonna yeah, you buy anything. If you're gonna have someone like explain what's going on, right? Because you you know. You're gonna have to have yeah. someone spell. You have to have someone spell it out for the audience. He's like, I don't know. What's, I don't know what's yeah. happening. So if you're gonna have someone yeah. do it, it should be Sigourney Weaver because like she really is a commanding presence. Like like she can like handle any kind of dialogue. And like even though some of that dialogue was ridiculous, where they're like, oh, it's like these like you know, you know, gods and all this stuff. But I was like, her delivery made me like go, okay, I can accept. I'm picking well, up what you're yeah. putting down. <laughs> Yeah, no, that it is so great how she says all this, how she spells all this out. And you're like, yeah, I totally right. buy it. I, I totally buy it. I totally <laughs> get it. Like, it's like it's in the last like t- two minutes of the movie where this happens, and you're like, oh yeah, that makes the last ninety minutes completely make sense. Yeah, oh, and, and because, by the way, for, because, a, for a movie, oh yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, because yeah, like I, I I'm happy they got her, and I'm happy that she was able to take it seriously and deliver that because I feel like if you had a lesser actor or actress saying that it, it could it be wouldn't, like it wouldn't work. It, it, it would be stupid. It wouldn't because work at you all. got someone like you got somebody like her who can work with with material like this and really understand it. Like yeah, yeah no, she completely legitimized this. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And you know I when I was watching the special features today, like that was that was their only choice. They wanted her and she and she was down she was down to do it and she had a lot of fun just showing up as like a fun cameo at the end and you know and i thought you know like uh the ending itself which um i have a friend because i have one friend that like hates like bleak endings like this because like there there was no way for it to really end right i mean it it was like what they said was gonna happen was gonna happen um but what what got to me when I first saw it in theaters, and what still gets to me after I watched it today, that shot of the hand coming up, oh, and then geez. like coming, it was like I, I don't want to say it's scary, but it's like it's very visually like striking, where it kind of like you're like it may, taken aback by it. <laughs> it it may be the most visually striking image that he's ever shot. Yeah, because yeah, it's like the end of the world is here, and they're just gonna have to. Like they're they're in it. Like there's no stopping it. It's very, right. yeah. I just I, it's like all right. The last shot of the movie ever, and it's this. And then I always think about okay, look where we started with two guys in the office talking about baby furniture, and right. it ends with a giant hand coming out and yeah. like smashing the black before the credits. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm always just like, I was like, yo, this is how you depict the end of the world on a minimal budget and for some, and just for like a couple seconds <laughs> like you don't have like that image says no. so much says so much without like having to do much at all and like i i remember yeah. when we saw it on opening night like we were all like what the fuck just happened and it just ends after that but it's just so it's yeah. such a it's such a visually like striking like 
moment. And like the build up to it is great too, because like there's all this silliness and stuff, right? But at the end of the day, yeah. you still care about these two being like, okay, this is they're in this together. Like, all right, we're gonna we're 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 ending this together. This is it. And you know, yeah. And she basically insinuates like, you know, maybe it's time for like a do over, like you know, to reset all. Like, she's not really, she's not really like you know, confident in the humanity no. at the moment. So like, she's like, maybe this is how it's supposed to be. Like, this is how it's yeah. supposed to end. Which I thought was like, it's a, it's a, it's a bleak ending, but I think it works for like, yeah. I can't see it going any other way. I mean, I was just more no. surprised by. I was like, how are they going to visually show this? I was like, how are they going to like show the end, what the end of the world might start to look like? And that giant fucking hand is, is enough to make you go like, yeah, the the giant, yeah, I, I have to admire how bleak that is because we don't really get a lot of like mainstream films that end on such like a, okay, the heroes have lost and it's a downer, but you're still entertained getting there. Like sometimes I see movies like, oh, it's a downer ending and now I'm just depressed for no reason. And, but this one was like, no, I had fun. I laughed. I was, I was like creeped out by the gore. And now I've reached this ending that I'm never going to forget because you executed it so perfectly. It's like, wow, what a way to go out. On your yeah. little cabin in the woods movie, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and just like just throw up that title card and you're like, all right, I'm picking up what you're putting down. This is pretty good. I, I, yeah, I, I, I totally loved everything they did totally, about that. Yeah, I totally picked it up. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it. I, I am, you know, it's funny too because I try to like suggest this movie to some people sometimes, and some people get it and they like it and they think it's funny. Um, I have some friends that don't, it has to be like a straightforward horror film from them to really like embrace it. Um, I think there's like, like, I I don't think the meta stuff works for everyone. I think some people are like, Oh, like, Oh, I like, it's clear that they're like, something, so they're poking fun at something else. Yeah. And for me, for me personally, I don't normally outside of this and Deadpool, I don't normally enjoy meta humor anymore. Right. Because so much of it is like, oh, look, it's like that movie, da 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 da. Like they wink, wink, nudge, that. nudge. <laughs> like, 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 I don't like Community because yeah. Community is so. I respect people who like it. I don't like it because it's so much of them referencing other films and other shows stuff. so directly. It's like, oh my god, I like if I don't know what that is, there's no joke. With exactly. with this, because it's very broad and super general a lot of the time, like things that everybody knows who's into like pop culture or film, it's like, okay, you have you've got me here. Like I can think of a movie that's done this that you're making fun of or pointing out. It's not something very specific. Yeah. And I think that's where the I think that's where the the meta ness of this one works where others fail. Yeah, I agree. And like, you know, I kind of want to ask you too, like, do you think that, you know, we're like, cause we're 10 years removed from it now. Do you think that this, this goes down as like a horror classic that will be appreciated, you know, you know, 10 years from now, like 20 years from now, is it going to be up there as like one of those ones that we point to as like, oh yeah, this was a definitive moment for the genre when it came out. I, I think that it's I think it's going to be remembered very fondly. I think that it I think that it largely holds up because of the writing and because of how general the the poking is and because of just like you know it's how creative it is. Like 
we don't really get a ton of like 80s style horror things anymore so maybe some of that stuff might not be as well known but i think in terms of like even if you don't get the humor as much like if you just want to gore fest you get that here right so yeah i think it's gonna i think it's gonna hold up in an in as a horror classic for those who are into this kind of movie like it's a really great horror comedy love letter to the genre yeah i think so too i think i honestly think it is one of the best horror movies released in the last 10 years i mean i think it uh you know like i agree you know the 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 2000 this kind of period where this came out i guess was a really weird time too for horror movies Um, uh but this one stands out uh in a really good way and you know like i said like you know movies that get to like that like this didn't get delayed because it was bad it wasn't like they have faith in it you know it it was the victim of like being at one studio and then like something going on there with like money and all that and so we got shelved indefinitely until someone else bought it and thankfully lionsgate stepped in and they bought it and then it was a matter of like how do we release it and i think that was a good i think the waiting was good i think it was good to kind of be like what what do we have how can we sell it and well and they had to sell it based on like, and they had to sell it based on like what everyone thought it would be. Like, you're like, yeah. oh, it's and, like, a, oh, yeah. Well, no, I, I, well, no, I, I, I remember the trailer was like, you think you know the story? Yeah. You think you know where it's going? It's like, oh yeah, okay. And then also they they put like Josephine and Drew Goddard's names all over it, and they're not showing. Like, this was back in that time where not showing a lot could still work as a trailer mechanic. Yep. Because, like, I remember there used to be trailers where it's like, I don't really know what this is about, but it looks intriguing and cool, so I want to find out. Whereas, like, you look at something like Tomorrowland, which tried that same tactic, and it didn't work out. Because people just didn't take to it. I like Tomorrowland. A lot of people didn't. But yeah, like, that, I think that that tactic back in 2012 of, like, we're not going to show you behind the curtain. We're just going to hint at what this could be that tactic sold it and then also you've got like doesn't it's not does Lionsgate distribute the saws too oh I don't know that's a good like yeah I mean, I mean they yeah, take I, it. I, I think that they do because I'm pretty sure that they uh, I'm pretty sure that they distributed the the last one was Chris Rock so I think that's their series okay. so they were associated oh with they do yeah you're right before. you're right they yeah, yeah. the saw they, they saw the so yeah, so yeah, Lionsgate is associated at that point with like grisly horror that's crowd pleasing, and so I think that that helped too. They could tell it as like the next horror film from Lionsgate. Yeah, and they can kind of use that, and it's actually poking fun at like a little bit like movies at movies like Saw, like the whole like torture porn thing a little bit, and it's kind of like making a little bit of a joke out of that too. So like they, I just love that it fell into someone's lap that understood it. And got yeah. it because, like, you know, certain studios can kind of get this and be like, oh, well, let's just we sell it as a, sla- <laughs> yeah. a slasher movie in the woods and then, like, whatever. <laughs> when they well, see what it really no. is, like, <laughs> no, we don't, you know, it, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like when Universal got Krampus and yeah. they marketed that. And I like that movie, they marketed that as a straight horror movie, and I, I saw it as a straight horror movie. And when I went to go see it, it's a horror comedy. I wasn't right. expecting that. And I appreciated that it was a horror comedy. Like, thankfully, somebody told me 
that yeah. it was funny. And I'm like, oh, I'm much more interested in it now because I like that genre mix. But right. Watching the trailer, like there is very little humor in there or hint of humor. Yeah. And so I think that's why it might not. I mean, it was a big success, but I feel like the mismarketing of it as a straight horror film, it, it, <clears throat> sorry, it, it misled people. And so some might have stayed away that otherwise might have gone to go see it. Yeah, I think that I think that some people, uh, I mean, or maybe some studios feel like if like the mix of those genres is hard to sell a little bit to a general audience, and like so they either have to sell it like one way as like a pure horror film, and then you know because I I remember looking if you look back at like the a trailer for Scream, like if you go to watch that 1996 trailer, it's a horror movie trailer. I mean. I can't really there. I mean, you, I guess you could tell from some of the dialogue, there's going to be humor and stuff, but it's a slasher movie trailer. And like, you don't really get how like funny and meta it's going to be until you actually watch it. Um, oh, well, I, I've, I've never, I've never seen, the, I saw the stream. I've seen the stream two trailer. And right. That and that one, one kind of leans in that, that leans into the humor more than like, uh, the screen trailer does. Cause like now that we already know what the rules are, the movie, the first one's been successful. They can kind of like, poke fun of like all the stuff they talked about in the first movie. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and that was the other thing that surprised me about the new scream that came out Well, that. I saw those trailers. I was worried like, Oh no, they've completely lost the comedy of it. Yeah. Oh God. All right. I guess I'll go see it. And I'm like, Oh no, it's actually really funny. They're like, no, they got it. <laughs> they no, no, totally no, got, got it. So, yeah. They've got it. And they're, they're commenting on like horror tropes, not as deeply, but they're coming on like, horror stuff and modern things now yeah and, and like fans that. and like how toxic fans can oh, be god. like I love, like oh, that god. stuff was really good oh, oh god like that fan stuff that was so gratifying it's like yeah yes thank god someone made fun of this they commented on it yeah i oh, totally agree yeah, like that's the thing like yeah and so yeah i was very happy with scream five or scream because we don't want to give them numbers anymore yeah um <laughs> It's hard to sell us. Well, and they like the new one's called Scream Six. So when they sell this, it's going to be like Scream, Scream Two, Scream Three, Scream Four, Scream, Scream Six. You're like, wait, did you put the same one in here twice? Yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) Well, yeah, it's true. I mean, but it's kind of it's kind of cool. Like watching the success of Scream in 2022 was nice to see because it's like it's like that kind of horror genre of filmmaking is can still be done right and people will still respond to it um and then i think that's why even something like cabin in the woods even 10 years later like once people like see it and get it they appreciate it like they're you know that like all the stuff that was like old then is becoming new again so like i think if you were to show someone that wasn't into cabin in the woods like 10 years ago let's just say that maybe they watched the new scream and they're like okay this kind of humor is back a bit and then you show Captain yeah. Woods them again today, they might perceive it a bit differently and like understand well, like what you know what that movie actually was. Yeah, and I think that yeah, and that yeah, I think that like the the prevalence of more like meta humor that Scream, to my knowledge, kind of popularized. Yeah. It's like, okay, because pe- because more people are aware of it now and its meaning, I think that like helped Scream Five become popular. Like we know that move people in movies like this talk like this and are going to reference things directly like elevated horror and, you know, the requels and, you know, 
fan stuff. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, I think I think more people now are a bit more culturally aware of just how film is, which yep. is why they could even get away with we're gonna make a message that's like that's like putting toxic fans down at all. Like when they went there, I was like, I did not expect you to do that. Yeah, I was like, that's gonna trigger a lot of Twitter people, man. <laughs> oh no, oh no, it did. I saw so many people that were like, Oh my god, they hate fans. I'm like you're literally That's, proving them. You're, yeah, point. you're proving them right. You're proving them right. Yeah. <laughs> and then all of, and then my favorite. I think my favorite joke in it was like, they there's a shot of somebody watching a YouTube video of like why the stab movies are too political or something. Oh, yeah. Basically woke. Like, <laughs> like too woke. Like, yeah. like, 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 like one of those decordering videos. And you're like, yeah. yep, I saw videos like that, and that actually popped up on this, so they got it right. again. Again. Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> well, I'm, you know, it's kind of, you know, I, I, oh, I want to bring this moment up because I was like cracking up because uh, I forgot how funny it was. The yeah. scene where Chris Hemsworth has to do the motorcycle jump, <laughs> and, and it's like, and it's such like it's such a well written like it's like you know, what he's trying like what he's trying to say is like a typical thing of like what that those characters would do in that situation like i'm going to go get help yeah. i'm going to go to the yes. police oh, i'm going to go do this <laughs> and then like the music starts to swell it's like, like badass country music it's like, like this black, badass moment and then he does the jump and, then, <laughs> <laughs> and at that point i have, I have I, I, when i saw in theaters i had forgotten about the the force field wall thing oh yeah so yeah. i was like oh i was like oh cool and then when he hits it i was like oh my god like it's e- no, it's equal moment. equal parts funny or then like also sad I guess but it's like there's a lot of well, stuff going no, on and then- well, yeah it, it's <laughs> such a yeah that's a great inversion because we've all seen that scene so many times of like I'm gonna get help yeah, yeah. and then he get he or she gets killed but to do that it's like <laughs> it's like oh it's, such, it's like such a heroic moment too and i was like ah. and it's it's like it's like the hit and then their reaction to it is so like strong they're like oh my god <laughs> like and then you just watch him fall and like and it's like oh ah it's such a you know i was trying to think like that might be my favorite moment in the movie just based solely on like what Everything. it kind of is, what it's making fun of in that moment, but it's also yeah. written so well that it's like it could be also a real moment in that well, movie. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, and that's the thing. Like, yeah, they they just they nailed it. They nailed everything in it, which is why, like, when I watch movies that are like kind of straight versions of that, like kids going off in the woods, yeah, I just kind of laugh now because I think of this. I'm like, oh. You're just playing this goofy thing straight. Yep. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, um, I want to thank you, Kevin, for coming on and uh, not just talking about this movie, but then also joining us for like the news and stuff. Because uh, I know oh, it's yeah, uh, thank you. Thank all the pop yeah, culture stuff you. to kind of catch them on. No, thank you so much for having me on at short notice. That's This is great. No, I mean, like, we also love having guests on. Uh, I think what I want to do differently, because I always like when we have anniversary episodes, I always like wait and post like oh a week we're doing this i think i'm just gonna start like posting like this is what's coming up in like the next few weeks and like like if anyone wants to jump on these like we are more than uh willing to have you guys on like we've had like as many as like just one guest on like you and then we've also had like 
five or six people on to talk about uh wow. certain movies so it's cool. always a it's always a good time like you know going to this list of like you know what's turning five ten fifteen twenty like trying to pick like all right which one do we want to focus on we had like a really good time with grindhouse last week we had a you know a good time oh, yeah. with this one with this one this week so i'm glad that we actually had like a fan of the movie on to kind of talk about it and uh oh, yeah, revisit you know, it i wonder you know, if you guys are still doing this in ten years, I wonder if like you're gonna do a ten year ten year retrospective on Morbius. Oh, no! It's like it's secretly the Citizen King of like the comic book movies. <laughs> you know, and I see. Okay, so here's what I keep waiting for. Okay, so like, you know how we have a lot of like, you know how my generation and I'm guilty of this too there are a lot of movies that came out when i was like 10 and my generation holds up really really high even though they're just like okay or maybe not great sometimes i'm waiting for in the next 10 years the people who are kids now who are seeing like the venom movies and the morbius movies who become film buffs and they're like, no, these movies are actually great, man. Oh, and they make it. We had to revisit and do 45-minute YouTube retrospectives on why Venom was misunderstood. Yeah, that's go- that's going to happen, man. Like, because, like, you know, it's funny because, like, one of our episodes coming up, uh, I think in a couple weeks, we're doing one on the 20th anniversary of Attack of the Clones. This will be the first time we're doing an anniversary oh. episode. An anniversary episode of a movie that we didn't particularly care for because usually we're like celebrating a movie on its anniversary. Oh, yeah. So this is gonna be the first time that we're looking at it and being like, it's not good. Um, but yeah. it, it, it's interesting, like, to think that like with some of these movies, like ten years from now, are you gonna have this like new generation of kids who are who are growing up with like Venom and well, it, and its sequel yeah. and stuff are gonna ten years from now kind of make it like, no, you guys just didn't get it then. Like it was like well, this was all, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, and the reason why I, the reason why I say this is like we're seeing this now with the Amazing Spider-Man movies, yeah. Where there are there are hun- there are like tens of tens of YouTube videos now, and I've watched a few of them, and I think a lot of them make some good points about like these movies were not as bad as people said, or like they were they had underappreciated qualities, and I I agree with that. I think both of them had things that were kind of underlooked. But it's just interesting to see, like, oh, people who were 10 and Andrew Garfield was the first Spider-Man they saw, they yeah. feel about him the way I do about Tobey Maguire because he was the first Spider-Man that I saw. And right. They had that special connection with him and this universe and these versions of these characters. So it's always interesting to see, like, how the pop culture wheel turns around and the discourse shifts on yep. certain movies. Yeah, it certainly turns like sometimes it turns within like a year or two. Yeah, and now we've got like people who are like John Carter is a classic, and I'm like, oh, okay, and you're like, cool. There's you know what? Cool, there's, something everyone. there's something for everyone. Well, you know? no, no, there there is, and that's the thing. Like, cause, like I because like, I hadn't seen it since 2012. Yeah, and I I've 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 tried to watch it, and I'm like. It's good until it goes to Mars. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, for me, I mean, I'll, I'll give it a full look and like a whatever, but it's like I'm not really looking forward to it. I'm like, hopefully, yeah. I find something. But 
you know, Taylor Kitsch was just not, he didn't have it. He didn't take for whatever reason. Yeah. You know, what's funny about him is that he has some anniversary movies coming up. He has Battleship in May. That'll be 10. And then, and then uh, he has, he has Savages in July. That'll be 10. That's a bit better than like, you know, Battleship. I saw Battle, I, you know what? I distinctly remember seeing Battleship in theaters with my friend back in high school when that came out. Because like he was, he's a big like military navy guy, and so he's into those kind of movies. Yeah, and I was like, all right, I'll see it because Liam Neeson's in it. And then I'm sitting there going like, Liam Neeson's barely in this, isn't he? Yeah, he, yep. And then like, and this thing, like, I think remember going like, wow, it's been a half an hour, and we're still developing characters. I'm into <laughs> that, and it's like, I I was so much more. Gr- my tastes have changed over the years. I'm <laughs> yeah. not going to be like, wow. I'm not going to be like, thank you for giving me some kind of character development, whatever it is. I'm yeah. like, is it any, I think Battleship is okay, but it's not something that I'm like, oh yeah, let's pop that on. I'm like, go watch yeah, it. Yeah. I haven't watched it so long. I think, I think it had the misfortune of opening the third weekend of the Avengers, which is like, Oh, it just got, yeah. it got it, it, it got lost in the shuffle. It got, <laughs> well, it got buried, man. Like, yeah. I, you know, even more, it's like Dark Shadows opened on the same weekend as the Avengers. I think. Yeah, it's like that, that. Well, that got crushed. Yeah, I don't think people understood because, uh, like, you know, we're gonna we're covering that movie too for its uh, anniversary. <laughs> and, and I was like, I don't think people quite understood what Marvel had, even though they had successes. I don't think they realized how big that movie was going to be, which is why they were like, "Oh yeah, let's just open no. our stuff around it." Uh, open the yeah. shadows. Yeah, and, the, and Dark Shadows also had like missing marketing going on. Like they didn't, they made it look too goofy when it's it's a parody, but it's it's not Beetlejuice goofy. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And then, I I'm a big Tim Burton fan. I own almost all his movies, including no. that one. So I I get what it's doing, but I understand why it failed. It's like right. mismarketed this. So exactly. Anyway. Well, um, I'm going to. I hate that this is like always like like this is like a really fun part of our Mondays in general like when I do this with Owen and like we have other people on it's just always fun to kind of talk this kind of stuff and like talk to other fans and stuff like that so I really appreciate you being on also at the last minute and um um, like I said like all your stuff your Twitter your Facebook your blog uh we are going to uh have those all linked in the description of this episode so people can check you out and um and discover your stuff. And as always, this is a playlist original. You can find us on anywhere you get your uh, podcast fix, whether it's app- Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, the Good Pods HQ app is where a lot of people have been discovering uh, the podcast because it's a good place for like indie podcasters to get discovered. Um, but wherever you choose to listen to us, we hope you uh, you know subscribe, rate, listen, review. Like we want good feedback we want negative feedback whatever you think we can do better and what can you improve on uh we're willing to listen and uh we've just been really happy with especially the last few episodes have flowed really well and uh we're kind of hitting our stride so we're all happy with everyone for listening kevin once again thank you for being on and offering yes, your insight you and uh it's yes, been absolutely. real guys peace out everybody <laughs>